Our reading this morning is from Luke 8, 16 through 18. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, he puts it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has, will be taken from him. The word of the Lord. Well, I just want to preface our sermon this morning with just a little verbal outline as we move through these three verses. And in the first verse, um, Jesus gives us a picture of a lampstand that represents his teaching. And in verse 17, um, the lampstand reveals all secrets eventually. And then the third uh, verse is Jesus' call for us to hear, um, and there's a warning. Perhaps the most famous um, words in all of Scripture are the words we find in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. That light is the sun, that massive ball of burning gas that warms and illuminates our solar system, and without it, we'd all be dead. It's part of God's common grace for every living creature on the planet. Um, can I just hit like a timeout button here? There's like a, a noise that's distracting me. Can we, I don't know who's covering the sound here. Is that, is it still there? Okay. Is it still there? There's like a ringing. Is it, is it still there? All right. How are we doing now? Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. Is it gone now? Okay, we're good. Thank you. All right. Um, let's start over. <laughs> so, we're talking about light here. God created uh, the heavens and the earth. Most famous uh, verse we probably all know is, let there be light. Burning ball of gas illuminates the whole solar system. Without it, we'd all be dead. Common grace. <laughs> the light. Talking about this morning, responding to the light. That's what Jesus wants us to take away from this verse. There's a recent study um, about crime, and it said that crime is committed throughout the entire day. 24 hours a day, crimes are being committed. Um, but most of the crimes that happen in the daylight are crimes of passion which means they're not premeditated. Someone cuts you off, you fly off the handle, maybe you, somebody punches someone in the jaw, but they're crimes of passion. But the survey also noted that the most heinous crimes, premeditated crimes, um, happen when the sun goes down. Because without light, evil deeds are cloaked under darkness. And in the absence of light, evil is hidden. 
because the people can't see what happens in the dark places. You've heard that saying, you know, you wouldn't want to walk, a, walk down a dark alley in that part of town. I used to tell my son that there's no such thing as a bad neighborhood first thing in the morning because all the bad guys have done their dirty deeds the night before or they're sleeping from staying up so late partying the night before. By the time Jesus comes on the scene in the first century, the world has kind of devolved into a kind of spiritual chaos. So if the creation brought order out of the chaos, Genesis 1.1, sin has caused kind of a decreation. And instead of light, the world is filled with darkness. Not a literal darkness, but a spiritual darkness which blinds men's eyes so that they can't see God. And even Israel, which is supposed to be the light to the nations, fails miserably at this task. Now, as we've moved through Luke, we've seen that there's this emphasis on the character, availability, and aid of the light found in Jesus. And in verse 15, we have this picture of a lampstand. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed. I think we want to advance the next slide. So that those who enter may see the light. There we go. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And so here's this imagery that Jesus is giving of himself and his teaching ministry as light. And this imagery of Jesus as the light goes back to even the very, chap- very first chapters of Luke, when we first started in the book of Luke almost a year ago. And Luke 178 speaks of Jesus as the Messiah, the rising sun, who illuminates the path out of darkness into God's way of peace. Jesus lights up the path. My brother-in-law is here with me this morning, and back in California before he moved to Texas and before I moved to St. Louis, we would go backpacking and hiking, and one time we went on a nighttime trip. And it was on a trail we had never been on before. It was he and I and his daughter, and we were hiking in the dark, and it was pitch black in those mountains except for our headlamps. In fact, we even got to a place where there was a creek and we couldn't go any further. We couldn't recognize where the path was. And I forged on ahead in the dark at about 9.30 p.m. in the mountains. And if it wasn't for my, I mean, I was praying the headlamp, the batteries wouldn't run out. But I was able to find the path. I hiked another half mile, found where the path was leading, and then hiked back in the dark with just my headlamp on. And I said, okay, let's go. And we found our campsite. What Jesus is for the world is a lamp illuminating a path to God. And without Christ and his message and his teaching, people are in the dark. Yeah, they're walking. They're moving. They think they're on a path, and they may be on a path, but it's not a path to God. And Jesus is giving us this illustration to help us to appreciate what his teaching is. What his message is. It's light. Luke 2.32 calls the coming of Jesus 
a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Jesus declared, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 8, 12. And in John 12, 46, he says, I have come into the world as light so that no one who believes in me should remain in darkness. And the point of the lamp imagery is this. This is an additional point. Don't keep this to yourselves. The light may have come on for you, but it hasn't come on for others. In other words, here's the light. You don't hide the light. You put the light on a stand so that everyone can see. So there's an evangelistic um, significance to this passage. We have the light. All of us are thinking, well, praise God, we have the light. But Jesus is saying, well, don't hide the light. You have the light, share the light. Put the light on a lampstand for everyone to see. Don't keep it to yourself. The gospel is a shining light, a lamp in our dark and cold world. And we have to be careful not to think that because our nation is in a moral slide that the gospel is somehow less powerful. In fact, one of the things that, hap- that has happened to Christians as we see our nation going through kind of this moral revolution is, if we're not careful, maybe we think that we ought to remain silent. In fact, we probably all have struggled and struggle right now at our time and place in our culture to be vocal and open and transparent about the power of the gospel. But you want to know something? In those dark woods... On that night, that headlamp shined so bright because it was so dark. And that's what the gospel is in our world. It shines so powerfully bright because our world is dark. It shines bright. And so we're supposed to put the message on display because those in the dark who God is calling to himself will see the light and respond to the light. And we're supposed to put it on display in our lives and in our words and in our thoughts and in our actions. Faith was never meant to be a private matter, but a public proclamation. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not just a private issue. It's meant to be proclaimed and heralded publicly. And the second point Jesus makes in verse 17... He says, for nothing that is hidden, for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. The idea is that light not only illuminates, it exposes. And Jesus' teaching reveals hidden things and it exposes secrets. One theologian said, sin scorches us most after it has come under the scrutinizing light of God's forgiveness and not before. Sin scorches us most after it has come under the scrutinizing light of God's forgiveness and not before, which means that we really, really get an appreciation for what sin is and how serious it is as we grow in the knowledge of the Lord after we've come to faith. 
we really get an appreciation of what sin does and the damage it causes. But a Christian is someone who's been exposed to the light. And a Christian is someone who continually exposes themselves, their hearts, their, the intention of their hearts, their thoughts to the light of the gospel. And over time, you're the same person in public you are in private. That's what exposing yourself to the light does. Now, it takes time. So someone in here is thinking, well, there are still some things that I wouldn't want anyone to know about. Yeah, we all feel that way. But if you continually and keep, if you continually expose yourself to the light, the illumination of God's word, the teaching of Jesus, those two people over time become the same person. Because every secret thing is revealed, every, every hidden sin is brought to light, and after a while, you just can't ignore them anymore. When you're walking with Jesus, you can't ignore your sins. When you are embracing and responding to the Word of God, you can't ignore your sins. The Word of God is a diagnostic, and it examines the intents and contents of the human heart. And it brings to light people's thoughts. And here's what Jesus is saying. One day all things will be made manifest by God. What is hidden will become known. And we already, we've already seen some of this as we've been moving through the book of Luke. Jesus meets with Simon the Pharisee. And he comes into his house. And the woman standing behind Jesus, weeping on his feet. And Simon judges him, and Jesus, the Bible says, knows what he's thinking. The light knows. The light reveals. Jesus, and what does Jesus say? Simon, I have something to say to you. Jesus knows every thought. He knows the intentions of our hearts. And one day, all sin will be revealed. Everything in the dark will be brought to the light in judgment. Everything one day will become known. Every human heart be, will be laid bare. And this is the basis of judgment. John 3.19, that light has come into the world, but people love darkness rather than the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. If your life is exposed to the light, hidden things, secret things, are brought out. And you might be thinking, well, I keep showing up on Sunday. What more can I do? Right? I come, I hear the word of God preached. What more do you want me to do, Jordan? I don't know if everyone in here remembers a few years ago, uh, a serial killer made news by the name of Dennis Rader. He was called the BTK Killer. And Raider served in the Air Force and had a bachelor's in administrative, administration of justice and was a, uh, a deputy with animal control. But he had murdered a dozen people over the course of a decade or so. And he was a stand-up guy. He was an upright member of society and he was the president of his congregation in the Lutheran church he attended. He was a pretender of epic proportions. 
Because he never allowed the word to penetrate the darkness of his heart. And so the question that we should be asking ourselves is, do we love the light more than we love the dark? Do we avoid exposure to the light because we want to cover our evil deeds? Or are we living under the scrutinizing light of God's word? Are we running from the light? So you can hear the word preached week in and week out and not benefit from it if you're not applying it to your heart. This is how on Judgment Day you have wheat among the tares and tares among the wheat growing up together. Jesus gave that parable and said, On the last day, on the day of judgment, the angels who are the reapers will separate the two because there are always tares among the wheat growing up in the church together because there are always people who don't apply the word to their heart. We ought to take a long, hard look at ourselves and say, are we those kind of people? God forbid. And then finally, in verse 18, Jesus says, he gives this warning. Take care then. Be careful then. Pay very close attention then to how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Now you remember last week, we talked about the parable of the sower, and in it Jesus pointed out that um, the people represented by all four types of soils are people who hear the word of God. Four different types of soils, and there are actually four different types of people who hear the word of God, but only one of those soils is differentiated from the rest. Only one type of hearer is differentiated from the other three, and that's the, the one that listens carefully. That's the one who hears the word of God, and because of that, and responds to it, and obeys, and the seed germinates. The seed just doesn't lie on the surface or take shallow roots, but the roots grow deep. And what grows bears fruit, mature fruit. And Jesus is continuing on that parable here in this passage and saying, be careful how you hear. Don't be like those three other types of soil who hear the word of God, those three other types of people who hear the word of God, But the word doesn't take deep root in their heart. And he says, be careful how you hear. Hear the right way. Listen attentively. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Jesus is admonishing us to be careful listeners. You know, listening is an important skill. And it's a neglected skill in our culture of talking heads. And some of us are natural talkers. I'm a natural talker. And in recent years, I've had to learn to 
shut my mouth because I talk for a living. So when I'm down from this pulpit, this stage, I have to tell myself, no, Jordan, you let them talk. Let them talk. And then not only let other people talk, but actually I've learned to teach myself, and I'm still learning, how to listen carefully. So when someone says something, I can recall a fact. Hey, last week you told me about your sick aunt. How's she doing? person walks away saying, oh, he was really paying attention. Jesus is saying, don't just hear the word of God. Pay attention to it. Listen to it. Think about its implications for your life. Uh, My daughter had... uh, a friend of hers, um, when she moved here to St. Louis, she had a friend of hers move with her. And her father, after a few months, came and visited, and she told me, he's not too keen on Christians. He's, he's not a Christian, and he's got a lot of criticism for Christians. So I thought, all right, I got my work cut out for me. And when he came over, we had dinner, you know, he had a glass of wine, we were hanging out, and I said, I'm just going to ask him questions And I let him rattle on all night about himself. And when he left, he thought I was the greatest guy in the world. And I didn't say a word. I just listened to him. He thought I was great. Am I lying? I'm not lying. He thought I was great because I listened to him. But what's more important is not just listening, but the way we listen. And who we're listening to. It's important to listen to other people. But it's most important that we listen to God. And listening is a constant theme in Scripture. It's mentioned over 30 times, this command in the Old Testament. Hear the word of the Lord. Prophet after prophet, when you read through Scripture, prefaced right before a a big statement is given in one of the books of the prophets, you'll you'll see this phrase, hear the word of the Lord. And that Hebrew word for hear is shema. And Shema means hear, listen, or obey. So in the Bible, to hear is to obey. To truly hear is to obey. Hear the word of the Lord means obey the word of the Lord. And in Psalm 81, God laments. He says, my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. Oh, that my people would listen to me. That Israel would walk in my ways. From God's perspective, listening is synonymous with obeying. To truly listen is to obey. And we remember Jesus said in Luke 6.47, Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, it's like a man who built his house on a firm foundation, And when the winds blew and the rains came and the storm beat down on the house, it withstood because it was built well. What does it mean to be built on a good foundation as a follower of Jesus? It means you not only hear, but you do. You hear and you obey. The second part of that parable, Jesus says, The one who doesn't hear and do my word is like the person who built their house on the sand. And when the winds blew and the storms raged, it could not withstand, and great was the fall of it. You ever see known Christians to fall, 
to fall away? The foundation was faulty. They were hearers only, but not doers of the word. Jesus says here, take care then how you hear. When you hear the word of God preached, pay close attention to it. Because there's a lot riding on it. There's spiritual gain, there's spiritual loss, there's winners and losers in this. There's something to gain and there's something to lose. And a lot of people on Judgment Day are going to be pretty surprised because they thought they had something that they didn't. Look at what he says. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he have has will be taken away. A lot of people think they have something, and they don't have anything. You don't want to think you have Christ. You want to know it. And the best way to know is to look at your life and see how you're responding to God's word. That's a good diagnostic for us. How do we respond to God's word? Do we take the word seriously? Does it, does it have powerful import in our lives? Or do we dismiss it? May we be people who love the word, hold the word close, and seek the Spirit's help in applying the word to our lives. May we read it, may we share it with others and expose our hearts to its commands because our very lives depend on it. Let's pray. Father, now we pray that we would not be those who only hear, that we would not be those who think we have something, but we would know that we have Christ, and we would see that assurance of Christ reflected in obedient lives. Yes, we fall short, and your grace even covers our shortcomings. But we pray, O God, that we would be so convinced and convicted by the word of God that every time we're exposed to it, it transforms us. And it conforms us more and more into the likeness and image of your son Jesus as we grow more and more in grace. Lord, help us also not to think that this is something we do in our own power, but to recognize our reliance and need to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish this in us. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen.